You are listening to episode 130 of Downtime Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm the only person on this podcast today because I'm going to be talking about a game that only I've played, which is Octopath Traveler, if you've been listening to all the previous episodes. So I have a Switch. I played Octopath. I finished it. I finished all the main storylines. I did not finish the main, all the side quests yet. And I know that if you finish the side quest, there's going to be an ultimate boss that comes out like any other JRPG. Haven't done that yet, but really excited to get that going throughout the year. Now that I finished this, I'm going to, uh, um, put my attention on other things uh, like Animal Crossing, which is coming out soon, but I wanted to talk about Octopath Traveler before I started getting into other stuff. And I wanted to give you my opinions on all the characters in a spoiler cast format. So, as you know with the name, I'm going to talk in depth about not, um, like I'm not going to go through all the chapters of each character, but I'm going to summarize a few things. So, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. I'm going to talk about a lot of the strategy that I used in this game. So, if you don't want to hear it, you should probably change the episode right now because there's going to be a lot of it. So,. In general, with Octopath Traveler, I think one of the things that sets this apart from other JRPGs that I've played is I felt like the game forced me to play with every character and required me to strategize more on who I wanted for offense and support based off of the storyline and based off of the character that you need equipped in the game. And it was just like it was challenging at first um, the fact that you have to keep the main character that you choose at the beginning the whole time as well as the character whose chapter it's about so nothing to me ever felt straightforward um, but um, there were like some things that I was able to figure out in, in terms of like if this person has this sort of skill then maybe I can expect this in the boss so like for example you take Ulbrich who is a purely physical character. And so, obviously, if you are forced to equip him the whole time, then you, one, you'd need some sort of support character like the White Mage or the Apothecary to help heal people. But another person that I might set up in this party would be Therion, because Therion has the Shackle Foe skill that will lower, um, that will lower an enemy's physical attack. So I would expect that Ulbricht's boss battle would be entirely physical. So just like things like that, um, that helped play, that helped me play the game. Um, in terms of playing through, I didn't use secondary jobs. I went to all the shrines and I unlocked them, but I ended up not using them simply because, um, for me personally, I wanted to see if I could finish the game without them. Um, and to answer that question, it is very possible to play the game without secondary jobs, and I didn't feel like it was necessarily any harder or difficult doing so. 
I felt I gr- I grinded a normal amount. And uh, to be completely honest, I, I just really liked the aspect of switching characters and switching players all the time for your team. It was really it was really fun. I think that for secondary jobs, I'm going to most likely utilize that feature when I get through the side quests, especially because I know for a fact that when you get to Galdera, who's like the ultimate boss of the game, um, everyone's suggesting that you get at least be, be at least level up to um, level seventy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably experiment with secondary jobs at that point. But in terms of the main story, the main journey. Um, yeah, I was I felt perfectly fine playing the game without it. In general, too, I played this game without looking online for facts and guides. And I just wanted like I said, I just wanted to play this game and see how everything went. And although things were challenging, there were a lot of times where I had to redo boss battles, but it was okay because I felt it was all part of the experience playing Octopath Traveler, and I learned a lot from the battles, and it was a good time. So, uh, like, if you as a viewer, like, used guides or used secondary jobs, I'm very interested in hearing what you did on your first playthrough. And yeah, feel free to leave a comment or send a message to me. And I'd love to have more discussion on Octopath just because this was, I really liked this game a lot. This is definitely one of the best JRPGs I've played in a very long time. The best way for me to do this podcast is I'm just going to rank all the eight characters, all the eight paths from my least favorite to my favorite. And not to say that I didn't like, there's a character I disliked. I liked all eight characters of Octopath. They were all great in their own way. Um, Just there's obviously some that I liked more than others. There's people I put on my team versus others. So um, I just want to give you all what that ranking is. And in terms of considerations, I, I took skills, battle, the storyline, how they benefited me, all of those into my final ranking. So number eight, I went with Ulbrich Eisenberg. And okay, so Ulbrich, he's a tank. His skills, clutch, insight, abide, stout wall, stout wall especially, they were all great, and he, it was, it was a great character if you wanted all the attacks, of course, to go to him so that he would alleviate pressure off of your other characters and he could do other moves. And I have to give a shout out to Brand's Thunder as well, which was the best sword move of the and one of the best divine skills of the game. Uh, his storyline was pretty simple, in my opinion, with Erhart. Um, one thing I was surprised at was the storyline kind of resolved by chapter four. I was ex- fully like I was fully expect sorry by chapter three. I was fully expecting in chapter four that Erhart was going to be the final boss, but he wasn't. It was a different one. So it one. Th- that was the one thing that surprised me for quite a few of these storylines is 
the the person that you were looking for or the person that you th- that you thought you were was going to be the final boss battle of your character it turned out it was in chapter 3 so chapter 4 was completely different but hey i like when nothing meets my expectations and it makes things fresher and more surprising um one thing i liked about some of the ulbrich chapters was the way they did waves when you were getting to the boss dungeon so instead of instead of necessarily you have to go through the whole dungeon to get to the boss instead it was war style where you were fighting multiple waves of enemies and people um because ulbrich of course is a military leader so i liked how that was incorporated into the game and Ulbrich was the easiest character to strategize with purely because he was a physical attack and you knew what to expect from the bosses. Number seven, I have Ophelia Clement and Ophelia was my main healer for two and a half chapters. One thing I loved about her was inner strength, and with the with that support skill, you could heal Ophelia, and she could be buffed up to like 9900, 99 HP if you wanted. And it was really useful when you got to chapter four, and some of these bosses were getting a lot more ridiculous. And for if you want a skill that was the most useful with Ophelia reflective veil my goodness in so many of these final boss battles where ophelia where i had ophelia equipped i stacked reflective veil on my people and it just was so helpful when the boss would pull an elemental move my battles went so much faster just because i was stacking reflective veil it it saved my life in a lot of instances too so she's a great support character her storyline was pretty simple, though. Um, hopeful, but simple. But my god, her stepsister was really annoying. I, Liana? I could not... Oh, I could not stand her. They do have good moments, though. Especially when they're in the Frostlands and they have that scene where they're looking over the hill. So they do that before Ophelia goes off to her journey. And then when Ophelia comes back from the journey, when Liana is depressed at the end of Chapter 4. I think it's one of like the prettiest parts of the game even though it's like an 8-bit but whatever um that being said ophelia's storyline was the one that i looked forward to the least i i don't i wouldn't necessarily say that it was the most boring storyline just you know just didn't pique my interest that being said ophelia had one of the best chapter fours it was really entertaining but also really creepy you walked into the town i think it's called whisper mill but what a creepy place. And then you go to the forest and you go to the boss dungeon. And that guy was killing everyone because Liana was a dumbass. It was really insane. I, uh, Ophelia, I really, even though I say that Ophelia's was the least that I looked forward to, I do have to give a shout out because she had one of the best chapter fours, in my opinion. For number six, I have Hanit, and yeah, what a fun character. I used her the same amount as Ophelia. I'd say used a lot throughout the first two and a half chapters. 
The moment I fell off with her was when I felt I no longer needed to capture beasts because I felt my characters were pretty reasonably leveled at that point. Um, she does have a very cute beast though, Lind, and it's a snow leopard of some sort and I'm here for it. Um, in terms of other battle skills, I was huge on Haunted because of her second attack, so you could get patience or second serving oftentimes in your whole turn. And it was very crucial to getting a lot of these high level shields down, especially when I needed to spam the arrow attack. It was, it was great. I have no idea what the accent was supposed to be, but swarky or whatever, but it was, it was pretty entertaining. Like I remember when I, when I started her in chapter one, I was, I wasn't so into it. I was like, Oh God, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. But as, as we got through, I was like, you know what? Whatever. Hanet is a pretty charming person, pretty adorable. I mean, like, I loved how chapter, all of her chapter three was about friend zoning someone too. <laughs> so yeah, just, uh, she's just like, not as naive. Actually, I would argue that in, in ways, Hanet is more naive than Tressa. But at the end, she found her boss. She found the master who also has a cute beast. And it was, it was just a fun storyline overall. Good character. So number five, I have Tressa Colzione or Calzone because, hey, you need your cute, hopeful, and inspiring storyline. In the final chapter when she's in Grandport Fair, that the notebook that she uses to win the whole thing was owned by this character named Graham Crossford, which which is integral in quite a few store uh, quite a few other character storylines throughout the game. Um, she's very it, her storylines border are borderline cheesy, but they're they're fine, they're fun. Um, I enjoyed her beef with the other merchant rival uh, Ollie in the beginning chapters, and I like how they all became friends by chapter four or you know just a friendly rivalry um everything about tressa was just very positive and hopeful which it completely contrasts a character such as primrose which is all about revenge <laughs> tressa um was a great foil to that um and i quite enjoyed everything that happened in chapter four which by the way i hope everyone who played this game stole everything that you could possibly steal at the Grand Port Fair, because that was a throwaway gold mine. It was it was like the developers were like, "You don't have anything right now. Need new weapons? Well, you can steal from up to thirty people." It was it was great. So uh, I like even before I started Chapter Four and I realized the situation I was in, I quit. I equipped Therion with uh, Tressa, and we were I was just stealing everything and. Um, it was really useful. I barely had to buy anything because thankfully I got lucky. And um, just with that, um, I did this chapter four at the beginning. So it stocked me up pretty much for the rest of the game. I was like pretty, I was pretty solid for everything. I didn't really have to buy anything else after this chapter. Um, and another thing with the storyline, I'd say Tressa's Chapter 4 boss was the weakest of all the characters um, in terms of expectations, intentions, and the fighting. 
it was a bit underwhelming, but you know, hey, like there's a lot of great uh, other great chapters and a lot of great bosses. Like this is this is like I I respect this is just meant to be the positive storyline. So had a good time with this. Um and just sidestep in terms of the most useful battle skill with Tressa, sidestep like stacking sidestep that's all that's all you need that's all you need number four i have primrose azelheart and i'd say she's one of the two one of two most balanced characters in the game all the characters with daggers in my opinion are very equal in term in regards to skills storylines and stats primrose was a combination of dark elemental and stat buffers and physical dagger and it was she was a great character to have equipped throughout my game like you you could just stack moldans and peacock strut and do quite a lot of things i didn't use bewildering grace that much I, I didn't even think it was worth all the SP in my opinion. Like, I barely used it. I think the few times that I used it, the r luck just wasn't on my side and it would just confuse all my people. So it wasn't worth it to me. And I, like, I'm not complaining. Like, I didn't use it in the game and I'm still fine. Primrose probably had one of the most compelling stories in regards to um, how she became a dancer after, after her father's death. And then crazy, sh like, this whole her whole storyline was some crazy shit like straight up in chapter one you have primrose who's trying to escape this situation um by the guy helganish and helganish is standing on top of a cliff and stabs one of her best friends and throws her off the cliff it's insane like it's crazy and then this is all leading up to chapter four which by the way was one of the best um chapters of the game because as primrose is trying to enact her final revenge um she's trying to find the guy in a theater and everything is laid out like a performance and it was it was amazing like simeon is a creep my goodness like if which just made everything like a lot more entertaining um one thing i will say though was simeon um, was one of the hardest battles that I ever had to fight because there was a point where Simeon, um, suddenly just freaking like increased his, uh, whatchamacallit, like he increased his, um, his turns. So he would have more turns and he had this one move that would just like completely eliminate all of my people. So I actually quite, I lost quite a few times to Simeon, but I was able to win. And um, there, with that, um, just defeating this boss, finishing the storyline was one of the most satisfying things of the game. Like I, I would say Primrose is one of the best characters by far of the game. Number three, I have Cyrus Albright. Cyrus was the character I chose at the beginning of the game and choosing him was random. I like I said I didn't look anything up. I just chose it. And my goodness, this is like the best character I think you should have like to choose in the game. But this is like I'm biased because Cyrus was in all of my 
Cyrus was in all of my battles, but there was no point where I didn't utilize him to some degree. Like, he already has three elemental powers that you could break down shields with. And when you're breaking down the boss shields, if you just did the double attack, then that's already two moves. It was like there. And Cyrus was really powerful with elemental. It was just it was just amazing. And on top of that, you don't know what the weakness is. Then you use analyze. Analyze was a must at the beginning of almost every boss battle and just every battle in general. Um, Yeah, Cyrus was just so was very useful and. Um, you need, you need at least one elemental character for sure, which that was who that was, you know, Cyrus was that for me. Um, the storyline I felt had a combination of fun mystery of like who took the tome and then took a crazy turd with some serious shit, um, for the whole tome because, it turns out that like there was like a cult and then there was a library and then you're like, what is going on? But um, Cyrus definitely was not, personality wise, was not the best character. Um, he wasn't bad. I just felt he was very bland. But he, I have a soft spot for him because I used him in all of my battles and he was just so clutch. He was so useful. Uh, majority of my battles ended with Cyrus doing the finishing move. And uh, his storyline was fine enough for him to be one of my favorite characters. I think I'm just thinking into the future. So as I get through the side quest, side quests and I'm going to defeat the ultimate boss... I feel like Cyrus would be one of the best characters to have a secondary role with because he already has great elemental and then you could do a lot with that. So you could add healing power, like you could add all of Ophelia's skills to him or you could or you could even be like, actually, I'm going to add wind or darkness to him. It's like there's just uh, Cyrus was just the most powerful and the most useful to me in my party. Um, and was very ideal, um, seems very ideal for secondary jobs in the future. Like, I think, I think back when I was choosing characters, and now that I know who everyone is, I feel like I had a very easy route because I chose Cyrus. Like, I can't imagine, like, if I chose Hanit, or if I chose Ulbrich, for example, as the first character, I might have gone crazy just trying to figure out all of these things. And then, like, with Ulbrich, too, because he doesn't really have... Like, if I had those characters at the beginning instead of Cyrus, I would have been more inclined to do secondary jobs. Because sometimes you don't need physical in your battle. So if, you're ha if you have Ulbrich, it's like, what's the point? So I think... Just the fact that I had Cyrus attributed to me never, ever needing to really consider secondary jobs. Number two, I have Alfin Greengrass and I know just based off reading a lot of things that Alfin is one of, by far, one of the most controversial characters in the fandom um, because a lot of people don't like to use Concoct. I under and I and 
I completely understand why a lot of people don't like to use it. Um, but I really liked him. And I liked his storyline about who is right and wrong to save. I wasn't, I'm gonna admit, I wasn't a fan of Alfin at the beginning. I felt he was one of the weaker characters. I barely used him in the first two chapters. Um, also, to be fair, Alfin was the second to last character I picked up in the game. And I, at that point, Ophelia was the second character I picked up, so her straightforwardness with the white magic was was just um, more powerful than what Alfin even had to offer. So I just barely used him from the beginning. But once you got to chapter three and Ogin, his storyline took a darker turn. And from there, I also felt like his skills just got better. Um, and just to talk about the storyline real quick, like all, all of that um, with the question of who was important to save, I for some reason really connected with that leading to the revelation in chapter four, where Alfin decides that he's going to save everyone no matter what, no matter what their history is. Um, Ogin and Alfin had very similar stories about saving the wrong person. Chapter three was great for Alfin. I really enjoyed that chapter. Um, chapter three also was when I kind of switched permanently to Alfin as my main support. And... Um, one of the things is I had a lot of leaves at this point and I could now afford a potent agree. I could afford potent ingredients. And because of that, his healing power became much more beneficial to me. And then you double that up with his injurious ingredients, uh, which did double time elemental and tapping, um, the weaknesses faster for these shields. Um, it just, I was, like I said, I completely get it. Concoct is really hard to master. And I think for me, I was able to use its true power and use that to my advantage. And that's why I preferred Alfin much more over Ophelia. Another skill that which was a game changer for Alfin was Rehabilitate. And it was an underrated skill when things got tough because there, when you get to chapter four, there's going to be so many bosses that are shooting all of these stat ailments on you. And what I would do is, of course, I would use Alfin, um, especially because like I would get screwed over with unconscious. But then I would also, but because re- rehabilitate like allows you to be immune for like two rounds. I just kept stacking rehabilitate and it was one of the best support skills for my team. Like I like I'm so glad that I did that because I feel my missions would have been harder if I didn't realize you could stack rehabilitate. It was it was just phenom- a phenomenal skill um that I that I think useful to any team setting. And um, just to end, uh, just to end my um, spiel about Alfin, um, Graham Crossford comes back here, which was interesting because Graham Crossford was also part of Ogin's life as Alfin's life. So I just this a very interesting character who turns out was in all of these freaking storylines. All right, we made it this far. I made it through all the bits of seven characters, which leads to one more path.
My number one goes to no other than Therion, who is just all around an all of the above guy. I can't, I can't see how you don't use Therion on a regular basis. This guy, in my opinion, is basically Primrose with an additional physical weapon. It's like you take Ulbrich and you take Primrose, and they only have one weapon. Or sorry. I take that back. Ulbrich does have spears. But it's like Therion can also take on the sword um, and also has stat buffers and is just versatile. And all of these things just... Um, he has the highest speeds of all the characters, so his, ta- his attacks always fall first. His enemy stat debuffers are life-saving. Like, shackle foe saves lives. Like, I... you. I don't know how you don't use that on a regular basis, aside from the, if the enemy does not have ele- uh, is a purely elemental. But that is just one of the most useful moves that I've ever, I've done in all of these games and in all in all these bosses. You ran out of HP and SP. Well, you could steal it. So I was using all of this, even passing my SP to other teammates. And if I passed half of my SP to someone, then guess what? I could just steal it from the enemy again. And I never had to waste any other resources. Therion just came in the clutch. I love his storyline about stealing the four dragonstones. And I like w- one thing I liked was that the storyline was just very simple about you just have to steal this. But the way that they've crafted the story adds more to how Therion becomes a more compassionate person. How you find out that the butler, what's his name? The butler Heathcote, how you find out that he used to be a thief. And that's how he knows. And ultimately, Therion is the type of guy who just, he keeps his promises, he has your back. Like this boy already had his cuff bangle unlocked. But he kept it anyways because he kept his word, which is pretty badass. Like, and you know what? That's all there is to it. Like, you got storyline, you got skills, you got everything. Therion is just number one in my Octopath heart. So there you have it. It's my ranking on all eight characters of Octopath Traveler. Some few points just to end this podcast. Um... I don't know who Graham Crossford is, but shout out to him for just appearing in a few of these character storylines. Um, I thought overall the voiceover was good um, for Japanese and English. I switched off a, a little bit until ultimately I went to Japanese just because I felt the Japanese sounded better in battle. Um, but the English was okay. Um, definitely one of the better localizations that I've heard. That I, I do, I personally, I would say choose Japanese because you're reading it anyways. And then, um, yeah, throughout the year, I'm just gonna hit a few of the side quests and hopefully by the end of this year, defeat the ultimate boss, Galdera. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good time. So Octopath Traveler, one of my favorite JRPGs that I've ever played. This game is pretty long, but if you strategize when you play this game and how you play this game, I think you'll be breezing by this in like five weeks, five, six weeks, which is what I did. So 
Um, thank you everyone for listening. If you have any questions about Octopath Traveler or want to know more of my opinions on things, you have some advice. Like I said, I'm going to get into secondary jobs now. So if you have some opinions on that, uh, leave a comment here. YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, the, the Discord, email, contact at downtime.live. Just wherever we have the podcast, just leave your comments. If you have a review, go ahead and leave one on Apple Podcasts. And that's it. Thank you. I'm so happy I did this spoiler cast. I love ta- I love spoiler casts. I love talking about the games that I played um, and talking more about the storyline and just a lot of the things that I did in terms of strategy. So if you listen to this podcast and you didn't play the game yet, then you should probably play the game because I talked about a lot of things here. So, um, yeah. Thank you. This has been episode 130. And see you on a regular. <laughs>